the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour three six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is the number. Welcome back uh, to the Seth Liebson show. I should say I am Seth. I have been promising for the last couple hours to do this. Uh, let's get it started. It's based off the comments of Maxine Waters today where. Um, all right, let's just set it up one more time, Chris. Last time, just this is our text for the day. And then I want to talk about cowboys. And I want to talk about progressivism after. Yeah, I'm unhappy and I'm not just unhappy with the cowboys who were running down Haitians and using their reins to whip them. I'm happy with the administration. We are following the Trump policy. He is the one that does not follow the Constitution and would not allow those seeking refuge to be able to petition to get into the country. What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. I don't know if more errors have been broadcast in a single audio clip that we've ever played. I really don't. Worse than slavery? Worse than slavery. But the it was interesting. One of our listeners, everyone, everyone picked up on a slightly different point she mismade. And one of the end, I, I picked up on illegal immigrants coming here to petition the government for a redress of grievances, as if the First Amendment applied to Haitians in Haiti or, or Haitians in Brazil, for that matter. I don't know what government they're to be petitioning. And if you're petitioning this government, the way to do it is not by illegally crossing the border. That was a small thing I seized on because I recognized that language, obviously, she was playing off of. Obviously, the worse than slavery. Obviously, charging Border Patrol with things they did not do is another it's another lie. We'll call it what it is. It's a lie. It's a lie. She's lying to the American people. But one of our listeners, his ears perked up when she denounced cowboys twice. These cowboys, she called them cowboys. John Marini, senior fellow at the Claremont Institute, professor at the University of Nevada, wrote about a century ago as the Western frontier passed into memory. The art of American history began to fade away, too. In its place rose a science of history, heavily and proudly academic. And this new breed of American historians believed that they had understood the past as the past could not have understood itself. The past, therefore, having nothing significant to teach us. That line is an important one. The past 
as the past could not have understood itself. We are here to understand the past as it could not have understood itself. What that means is a departure from all understanding of history. All understanding of history. Why would someone today know better what Abraham Lincoln was really thinking than Abraham Lincoln? But that's modern history. It's all subtext, no text. It's why you learn constitutional law in law school, not the Constitution. And constitutional law is, of course, what judges say it is not what the founders say it was. Woodrow Wilson uh, was a president. He was the president of the United States. Before that, he was the president of Princeton, and he was the nation's foremost founder of the progressive movement in America. He wrote, the role of the educator is to, quote, make the young gentlemen of the rising generation as unlike their fathers as possible. Close quote. Get that? Rip away family, rip away tradition, rip away history, rip away, rip away values. To make the young gentlemen of the rising generation as unlike their fathers as possible. Who are they going to be like then? The state, obviously. The reason for this was that the older generation had, quote, lost touch with the processes of life, and therefore they were out of sympathy with the creative, formative, and progressive forces of society, Wilson wrote. He went on to say, progress. Did you ever reflect that the word is almost a new one? No word comes more often or more naturally to the lips of modern man, as if the thing it stands for were almost synonymous with life itself. And yet men, through many thousands of years, never talked or thought of progress. They thought in the other direction. Their stories of heroism and glory were talk of the past. The ancestor wore the heavier armor and carried the larger spear. They were the giants in those days. No longer. We think of the future, not the past, as the more glorious time in comparison with which the present is nothing, Wilson said. So for progressive historians, Marini writes, the past was not understandable in its own right, but only with reference to the future. That is to, to some form of the idea of progress, which, although almost synonymous with life itself, was wholly unknown to past generations. What had seemed to Abraham Lincoln, for example, to be the American founders' heroic virtues and tragic limitations appeared to be the sophisticated historians, mere reflections of outdated attitudes and beliefs, prejudices of a less enlightened time. This is why you have trigger warnings now at the National Archives before you read such things in their catalog like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'll revisit it or see First Hour. <laughs> CF First Hour. America, though, as it happens did not entrust its past entirely to the social scientists, thank God. While American intellectuals were succumbing to the charms of progressivism and Marxism, Americans in the millions were thrilling to the most compelling form of mass entertainment ever created, the motion picture, and particularly to that most distinctive American art form, the Hollywood Western. 
the American Western offered an artistic and popular response to the intellectual triumph of progressivism. This is why Maxine Waters is going after cowboys. She doesn't know why, but this is why. Yes, I do understand her better than she understands herself. I understand Joe Biden better than he understands himself, too, because they both blather nonsense. Progressivism in all its varieties, as Wilson made clear, severs us from the past by asserting our fundamental superiority to all that has gone before. Think 1984. The implicit premise of the Western, on the one hand, is that our fathers were in some respects better than we are. Whatever they may have left us to live down, they also gave us something to live up to. The Western restores our connection to the past by acknowledging the fullness or moral wholeness of it. This could only be done by recognizing the possibility of true greatness of heroes in the past, and of course there cannot be heroes without villains. The greatest directors of Western movies portrayed a world in which genuine heroes and therefore genuine villains were possible, where human and American virtues and vices contended in all seriousness and the heights and depths of human behavior like the American Revolution and the legacy of slavery came into view in a way that was and is meaningful to the moral imagination. Speaking of heroes for a moment, let me just parenthetically ask. When you hear the left talking about America or history or Democrats, who are their heroes? Who do they mention as heroes? Now, once upon a time, not so long ago, they would talk about Roosevelt and they would talk about Kennedy. Sometimes they would even say Wilson Roosevelt and Kennedy. I suspect the reason you don't hear those names anymore is the extent to which progressivism has taken over the party. Not only does the progressive movement disdain what those presidents stood for today, but think about my question. Who are the heroes the left and the Democrats do talk about? Either they make things up or they don't talk about heroes. Remember Joe Biden last summer addressing a group, uh, where was it, Kentucky, I think? Uh, An African-American group. And he gave them a hero they should have as the man who actually invented the light bulb was not Thomas Jefferson, but another man, a black man. And it was wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong about that. So they either don't talk about heroes or they tell fiction. It's interesting. What does a world without heroes look like? What would a world without cowboys look like? I'll pick that up when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Given a defense of cowboys here because it's a defense of American history that Maxine Waters is unfamiliar with. And it may not be the most important thing, but when I hear an assault on America and an insult to federal law enforcement based on a lie and a Marxist progressive ideology, I think it's important. You know, they do this about a million times a month in various ways, large and small. And if they're not called out, people won't notice and they won't feel like they have to be accountable to anyone. I don't know if we do this in vain. We don't. The reason we don't is because I'm giving the feedback you give to me and feedback we 
communicate to you. We hopefully do reach people who simply don't know better. There are two people who don't agree with us who don't agree with us. I was getting at this with Jeff in the last segment. Two kinds of people who don't agree with us. Those who ardently and ideologically oppose our point of view and support their own, and those who don't know better. And in that second category, it's important how you address them. It's different than how you would address the first category. It's equally important that we understand that that second category exists. Some people simply don't know better. I was one of them. I was a lefty because I was never exposed to a conservative argument. And when I, boy, was I. (laughs) When I got exposed, boy, was I. I want to come back to Westerns and Cowboys and the defense of America in just a moment. But first, let's go to David in Litchfield Park. How are you, David? Oh, pretty good, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. How long you lived in Litchfield Park? uh, Only two years. I lived in Surprise before that. It's amazing. But, uh, it's amazing the development there. I remember when it was almost nothing, almost nothing. It's oh yeah, town's been different. around for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, built, it, built, it cut my commute. My commute from Surprise to Tempe in the morning used to be an hour and forty-five minutes. Now it's down to an hour. I was going to say you shaved off forty-five minutes. It's right. Yeah. I hey, that, I, hey. I, Remember when COVID was at its top, I could make that 27-mile trip in 35 minutes. I, I get it, Not David. I, I know what you mean. It's just, you know, <laughs> you, you got to understand your audience, who you're talking to. You're talking to a guy who hears you say that, and that means to me that's an hour 45 I don't have you for anymore. I just have you for an hour now. Yeah, I know. Okay, you have your problems. I have mine. We'll work them out later. What's up, brother? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd live in Tempe, except it's too expensive, yeah. What you got? Um, the point I want to make yes, is sir. this is another classic classic case of repeat a lie often yeah. enough, and yeah. people will think it's the truth. Yeah, we're on I three mean, days of this lie. We're on three days of this. this is, After three months of no reporting on the border at all, this is what they want to spend three days on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I, I understand I heard the news this morning. A bunch of Haitians got all torqued off because when they got off the plane— they thought was taking them somewhere in the state. They were back at Port-au-Prince, and they basically started a riot. It's like, we didn't ask them to come. They're not coming legally. Joe Biden and his troops are sitting on their butt doing nothing, and the border is a joke. None of this would have been a problem. By the way, by the way, none of this would be an issue. Zero. If If Biden simply recognized that maybe, 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 maybe we should leave well enough alone and not everything Trump touched was a disaster. Maybe. We wouldn't be here if he hadn't overturned and upended the Trump policies. Finished the wall, followed the plan that he came up with for Afghanistan, a few other little things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But. You know, it's just one disaster on top of another. We'll, we'll not finish the wall. We'll we'll send giggles to the border. <laughs> but uh, and we'll piss off the French too. Yeah. She's only been but, now once. Giggles. I hadn't heard her called that. I like that. Cackles. We should probably call her cackles. Let's call her cackles. That's well, better. I mean, we got creepy Uncle Joe. We got giggles <laughs> as the vice president. Okay. We got peppermint Patty as 
as the press secretary. I never thought of it that I hate way. To yeah. Oh, my gosh. I hate to denigrate Peppermint Patty in the, in the Peanuts comic strip, but that's who she looks like. Well, you know, I, it's funny. Like. you know, it's funny. I was thinking for all the things we heard about the orange man, you know, they're just, you know, <laughs> they seem all of a sudden colorblind. All of a sudden, colorblind, which oh, is well. fine. I'd rather we be colorblind. I'm, I'm fine with it. But David, it doesn't get better. It just doesn't get better. No, and you're, and you're speaker of the House of Representatives. I want you to think about this. You're speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, that reminds me. Should I interrupt my uh, Western lesson for this? I don't know if I should. Yeah, I should. This remind. Can you hold a second, David? Hold, hold with me, Chris. Do you have the audio? of uh, not Maxine Waters, but Bob Woodward with Stephen Colbert. Listen to this. This was Bob Woodward and his uh, co-author, Bob Costa, I think it is, Robert Costa. Uh, Bob Woodward and Robert Costa on the Colbert show. Yes, maybe? No? It's all right if you don't have it. You got it? You need a minute? That's fine. I'll describe what you're going to hear. Bob Woodward's obviously now on this book tour, and it's the book tour where it was disclosed that, among other things, General Mark Milley called the uh, called his uh, Chinese counterparts not once but twice to warn them about Donald Trump, to give them a heads up on our tactical and strategic stance, military stance vis-a-vis China. Um, Bob Woodward is pretty confident in what he says here. It sounds like he has the sources, and I believe him because they would be left-wing sources. But listen to this from last night. One courageous person who did something was General Milley. He said, I am going to... These are Americans applauding the breaking of civilian control. There there is a, a scene in the book which took our breaths away, I think, when... Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, second in line for the presidency, calls General Milley, and we have a transcript Mm -hmm. of it, and and says, General Milley, you know Trump is crazy. He is, you know, he is a dangerously crazy. How are we going to control nuclear weapons? And Milley says, oh, don't worry, we have procedures and so forth. Stop it right there. Stop it right there. The Speaker of the House is calling the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to say we have to have alternative plans in place on nuclear war because our Commander-in-Chief is crazy. Speaker of the House has the right to make that phone call and judgment? Do you realize the end run on democracy that that is? He was the president of the United States. I know she thinks Russians elected him, though they didn't. He was the president of the United States, and she thinks it's okay to call the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to do an end run around military and civilian leadership and control and procedure while calling the commander-in-chief crazy? And she's second... In line to the presidency? David, it doesn't get better. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Let me, uh, if you'll allow me, uh, let me take you back to my defense of uh, Westerns and Cowboys. I was, 
this is this is resultant from this is resultant from listeners picking up on Maxine Waters' condemnation of cowboys and 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 attempted libel, attempted libel uh, of the border patrol by calling them cowboys. I say attempted because it's libel in the sense that it's certainly false, but it's attempted in that she's trying to paint something that simply isn't true. It's not true. I was having a discussion uh, with a guy I really like the other day. God, a good friend, good conservative. And he said he agrees with, with me on everything except my love of the movie The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. I think the friendship will survive, but that was hard to hear. I'm reading about cowboys, westerns, and America, an essay that Professor John Marini wrote, and I spoke about some of it earlier. He's talking about western films that kind of came up in a response to the progressive era. It's kind of interesting. Back in the day, Hollywood was pushing back against the culture. Now it defines it. But he writes, in the hands of directors like John Ford, the Western allowed us to go back to school again, to learn lessons that could not be taught by the value-free social science or progressive academics we now have. In The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, for example, John Ford attempted to recreate on, scene, on screen the necessary conditions for the emergence of a democratic way of life. He did so by showing those forces that permanently menace a regime of civil liberty and the rule of law. I think we have those problems today. Maybe we could use a little more cowboy right now. Cowboy up would be a good bumper sticker for us. In the film Ransom Stoddard, played by uh, Jimmy Stewart, in the film Ransom Stoddard is bringing the word and the law, the two necessary ingredients of civilization and political order, from what was then the civilized East to the western town of Shinbone, a virtual state of nature located in, quote-unquote, the territory. There are two dominant figures in Shinbone, Liberty Valance, Lee Marvin, who's an outlaw, who understands freedom as the indulgence of his desires in the absence of any restraint. He has neither home nor family. Then there's Tom Donovan, played by John Wayne, who's a kind of naturally superior individual who wants only a private existence and who, because of his superiority, can secure one for himself. He is the cowboy. John Wayne is the cowboy. Apparently, it's not totally clear from the movie. It, it, servant, slave, call him what you want. It's not clear his, his status. He's not John Wayne's equal, but there is a boy he calls him named Pompey. His only desire is to marry Hallie, an illiterate waitress who grew up in the West. Everyone in town knows that Hallie is John Wayne's girl until Ransom Stoddard the law and education come to town. When Stoddard, who's an attorney at law, approaches the town of Shinbone, he's beaten and left for dead with his law books ripped to shreds by Liberty Valance. Donovan rescues him, John Wayne rescues him, and brings him to Haley's house where she nurses him back to health. When he's struggling to recover, he insists that his assailant should be brought to justice through the law, not the vengeance of the Western handgun, but the law. But Donovan, the cowboy, John Wayne dryly notes, 
Out here, a man settles his own problems. Stoddard cannot believe his ears. You're saying just exactly what Liberty Valance said. What kind of community have I come to? Not much of one. There's no law in Shinbone. The residents in town, some of whom are are illiterate immigrants, know little of what the obligation of citizenship entails. Consequently, what John Ford does is he literally takes us to the classroom in the movie. He provides a lesson on the principles of democratic government, showing how private individuals are transformed into a public, how passion is subordinated to reason, and how the rule of law replaces the deeds of those outside the law. I'll say something more about that when we come back. Someone get a copy of this movie to Maxine Waters, please. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Once upon a time... There were giants. Uh, There were giants in Hollywood. There were giants in America. And the giants in Hollywood taught Americans how to be Americans. Uh, This was the point I was trying to make about uh, about, uh, what Maxine Waters said about cowboys and uh, what she exposed about her blathering ignorance, her really Stygian ignorance all at once. She broadcasts a lie that our Border Patrol is using reins as whips against illegal immigrants, that the unconstitutional behavior was Donald Trump's and shouldn't be repeated by Joe Biden. Parenthetical, these scenes didn't happen in the Trump administration. Close parentheses. That these immigrants have a right to petition the government for a redress of their grievances, she said. They don't. And that what we are doing to them now is worse than slavery. It's not. Every sentence of hers was a lie. I don't know whether she knows it was a lie or not. I tend to think she doesn't. I tend to think she's just really not very smart. But understand the grips we're in with the Democratic Party. I don't mean this to be ageist at all. I really don't. I respect and have always had friends who are much older than me, closest to friends. I just, I just don't want this to be taken wrong. But I think we all understand at a certain point perhaps our faculties aren't what they used to be when it comes to preserving the democracy and representing the American people not only on our own stage, but on the world stage. You have a president in his senescence, age 78. We all know he's not in full control of his faculties. If he were, they'd allow him to take questions alongside Boris Johnson, but he won't. I could give other examples. Do you realize, and I, I just this dawned on me when Bob Woodward said in that previous audio clip, when Bob Woodward said, second in line succession is Nancy Pelosi. She's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. Nancy Pelosi is 81 and says things that are also stupid, if not undemocratic. gets worse. Her counterpart in the Senate, next in line, Pat Leahy, longest-serving United States senator among us. He's 81. 
We're talking about the budget a lot right now. You know the Constitution, right? As Maxine wants you to know it. Um, we're talking about the Constitution. We're talking about the budget. All budget bills come from the House of Representatives. That's where they start. That's according to the Constitution. And in the House of Representatives, that means it's the Ways and Means Committee. The Ways and Means Committee controls, initiates, and runs our budget before it gets approved by the Senate and enacted or deployed by the White House. I want you to go and take a look at the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee online, Rosa DeLauro. And I want you to understand what we're in the grips of in the leadership of the Democratic Party. People who are not in control of themselves or their faculties. We spent four years listening to psychologists and psychiatrists from Yale. One even wrote a book from the Yale Medical School diagnosing Donald Trump as literally insane. That's what they called him, mentally unfit for the presidency, just like they tried to do to Barry Goldwater, just like they tried to do to Ronald Reagan. And I just can't think of a better example of my friend Chris's notion that if you want to understand what the Democrats are up to, just ask them what they're saying about Republicans. In any event, Cowboys and the West. Cowboys in the West. Think about Ransom Stoddard's classroom. Jimmy Stewart's classroom. It's the office of the newspaper editor, Dutton Peabody. On the backboard, Stoddard has written, education is the basis of law and order. That's what he writes on the blackboard. In the classroom are the Spanish-speaking children of the sheriff, Hallie, Peter and Nora Erickson, who want to become citizens from somewhere around Norway, presumably, and Pompey, Donovan's servant or perhaps slave. First, Stoddard insists that the children recite the alphabet in order to show that they have learned the importance of a common language, in this case, English. Then he asks Nora what she has learned about the United States. The immigrant Nora replies, The United States is a republic, and a republic is a state in which the people are the boss. Finally, he asks what the basic law of the land is, clearly referring to the Constitution. And Pompey says, It was writ by Mr. Thomas Jefferson of Virginia, and he called it the Constitution, and it began with the words, We hold these truths to be self-evident that... And then he forgets the rest. Stoddard notes that Pompey is reciting the Declaration of Independence and that the part Pompey had forgotten was the part that said all men are created equal. And then Stoddard adds, a lot of people forget that part. Indeed, no one in Shinbone, the fictional town, no one in Shinbone seems to understand the meaning of the Declaration of Independence or the importance of a constitution. Neither Donovan nor Valence seem to believe that the basis of rule is anything but force alone. John Ford makes it clear in this scene, it is only because men are equal that the people can be the boss. And you can't be equal when you're written out of the American political stage. That's the effort of the left. Sometimes it's about our borders. 
Sometimes it's about our political beliefs. Sometimes it's about our president when it's our president. They want us nowhere in charge because they don't think we deserve to be because we are not equal to them. And they're wrong. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. We really take none of it or you for granted ever, ever. We delight in knowing that you welcome us into your hearts, homes, cars, and uh, offices. We really do. Let me just uh, end uh, in responding to the progressives who see it as their task per Woodrow Wilson, as he put it, to... Make the young gentlemen of the next generation as unlike their fathers as possible. I wonder if maybe you're beginning to understand why the Black Lives Matter curriculum wants to disrupt the notion of the traditional family. In any event, we could learn a lot from cowboys and a lot from westerns. And we could learn a lot wrong from Maxine Waters. When I suggested she see the movie, someone said she wouldn't understand it. Might be right. Marini, Professor Marini notes, and I'll close this show this way. It's a very famous ending in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, where the editor of Shinbone, uh, the Shinbone newspaper gets the story of a lifetime. The great Ransom Stoddard, Jimmy Stewart, now an elder statesman, tells him the truth about the man who really did shoot Liberty Valance, so many years ago, and the newspaper man refuses to print it, saying, This is the West, sir. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. But because it still knew a hero and a villain, when it saw one, the distinctively American poetry of the Hollywood Western cowboy helped us to see in ways that American intellectuals no longer can how the facts may be worthy of becoming legend. Facts may be worthy of becoming legend. That's why the left has gone after our facts and the great story, legend of America. We'll keep it alive here. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.